Welcome back to the Collector Car Podcast. I'm Greg Stanley, and I'm here to see if you have more car knowledge than the average person. So if you're listening to this podcast, I know you do. So I'm going to give you some fun facts that start off broad about a certain car, and they become more and more specific as this podcast goes on. I hope to do this weekly, but this is so much work, I don't think it will be weekly. (laughs) A quick shout out to Haggerty and the Internet Movie Car Database for some cool information. So let's start with some broad facts about this car. The maker, legendary reputation, began early as he was known to cover the wooden wheels of his scooter with a leather belt so that he could go faster and win against the older children in his neighborhood. That's quite the competitive edge there. Another legend is that in the saddle of a motorcycle and sidecar, he challenged and beat the Orient Express train, traveling over 850 miles from Vienna to Austin. Now this is the creator of this make who made the car that I want you to guess to see what it is. I guess you would call him the founder. He once lost 30 kilograms by following a diet of apples so he could climb into the cockpit of his race car. Wow, that's dedication. Now, the first car he actually produced was in 1949, but they do not make any cars today, even though they are heavily involved in the automotive world, including partnerships with Mazda, Fiat, Lancia, Autobianchia, and Yamaha. The first cars built were models belonging to Cisitalia, which was in receivership at the time. Now, this car came from a small post-war European automaker. That makes sense because I said 1949. And at the time, they were known for building race cars that were each custom-made as needed. Now, most of these cars are based on Fiat underpinnings. And the particular car we are talking about today is a two-door coupe. Now, let's move into some more specific facts here. This particular model used a tube-frame and sleek aerodynamic fastback bodywork designed by Pininfarina and made by Zagato. The engine and gearbox were the only major components that were sourced from Fiat. These cars were made from hand-formed aluminum, which helped keep the car's curb weight down to a trim 1,257 pounds, so extremely lightweight car. The engine was rear-mounted and coupled to a four-speed manual transaxle driving the rear wheels. Let's see, buyers had a choice between a single overhead cam Fiat engine making 44 horsepower, or a double overhead cam version of the same engine that developed a whole 57 horsepower. The interior, to say the least, was befitting the car's racing intentions with two seats and a full set of gauges. Now, this car's model name was also used by other manufacturers, including Alfa Romeo, Chevrolet, Auto Union DKW, Ferrari, and Opel. Now, this car had a successful racing career, taking the top four positions in the class for Team Roosevelt at the 1959 12 Hours of Sebring race and numerous other victories in the United States and Europe. Notably, the U.S. distributor and owner of Team Roosevelt was Franklin D. Roosevelt Jr.'s son, was Franklin D. Roosevelt Jr., son of the former U.S. president. Let's see, it was not seen in any movies, but some other versions of this car were. Not this particular model, but some other versions of this car. Now some performance specifications. Top speed for the double overhead cam model was 118 miles an hour with a 0 to 60 time of 14.9 seconds and a 21 second quarter mile. Doesn't sound like a race car, does it? But again, this is 1949. The maker claimed the fuel economy rating of 43 miles per hour at a constant 50 miles per hour or 32 miles per hour average miles per gallon average in general driving. 
Now we're getting to the very specific facts here. It was built only for the 1959 model year, and the company was taken over by Fiat in 1971. These vehicles were renowned for being high performance and powerful, but first and foremost, small and agile, just like the Scorpion. Big hint right there. Now, Haggerty values for this particular model in number one Concord condition, $208,000. And number three condition, $121,000. So did you guess the car? Did you guess the car is a 1959 Abarth 750 Record Monza, also known as the Monza Record, or is that Record, which was developed specifically to break speed records in race in the under 750cc class. So what is Abarth up to today? Like I said, they don't make cars anymore, but they do offer upgrade packages for the Fiat 500, which range from the base 595 with a performance exhaust upgrade and 145 horsepower to the 695 SE where you can climb on board, this is their quote, climb on board and experience true Scorpion badge performance. Express your racing nature with the aluminum bonnet, the adjustable spoiler, and the unmistakable sound of the 695 SE with the new titanium Akrapovich exhaust tips. An exceptional power-to-weight ratio, a specific power of 132 horsepower per liter, that's a big deal, an acceleration from 0 to 100 kilometers per hour in 6.7 seconds courtesy of a 180 horsepower engine with Garrett turbocharger. Abarth also offers many aftermarket performance parts for racing. Now, as I mentioned before, some other brands use the Monza nomenclature, and these include the Alfa Romeo Monza, the Chevrolet Monza, a North American two-door car built from 1975 to 1980, the Chevrolet Corvair Monza, which was from 1960 to 1969, the Chevrolet Monza, a Brazilian hatchback and sedan from 1982 to 1996. The Chevrolet Chevy Monza, a Mexican sedan based on the Opel Corsa from 1994 to 2004. And then there was another Chinese version. The Auto Union DKW Monza, the Ferrari Monza, and the Opel Monza. Now let's talk about the logo. So like I said, Scorpion earlier. Uh, in 1949, Abarth was the Scorpion the Scor- and the Scorpion was Abarth right from the start in 1949. Carl Abarth chose the Scorpion as a symbol of his fledgling company for three reasons. It stood for his sign of the Zodiac. It was hard to counterfeit. Really? And above all, it was an original badge which which perfectly encapsulated the Abarth philosophy of small but mean. The initial badge consisted only of the Scorpion without a shield or frame with the words Abarth and Co-Torino beneath it. In 1954, with the first racing wins, the Scorpion badge started to be well-known, and Carl Abarth decided a restyle was in order. He introduced a shield, celebrating the brand's first victories and looking forward to the future ones, in two colors, yellow for Murano, the Italian town which offered a home to Carl Abarth and his father before him, and red, the color that has always identified Italian cars in motorsports competitions. The word Torino was removed from the name, which was now yellow in a dark blue background and crowned the Scorpion itself. They went through a couple other changes over the years. Let's see. The biggest change came in 1969, where it had a more stylized, simplified Scorpion all in black, and for the first time, with both claws extended upward, the previous version, the right claw, had been hanging to the left. In 1971, Abarth was acquired by Fiat, and one of the first changes made was related to its logo. 
To underline the Scorpion's Italian identity, the Italian flag appeared in the background to the name Abarth. The Scorpion turned dark blue, and the black of the previous version was replaced by a more subtle gray. And then there were a couple, and then there were a couple other versions, and in 2007, there was a 3D version introduced with the gray replaced by a chrome steel effect. So congratulations if you were able to cast this car correctly. Now, why did I pick this car in particular? Well, when you search the Haggerty Evaluation Database and search it by make of car, Abarth was the very first one that showed up, obviously, because it's listed alphabetically. So I picked Abarth first. I will not go and pick the last one. I did look that up. I think it was Willoughby, just because there wasn't a lot of information on that particular make. So please stay tuned. You'll see another one come out here in a few weeks. Ping me when you get the correct answer. Let me know that you got it correct. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.